Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to Sci-Fi Wire's Metal Crush Podcast. I'm Whitney Moore. This is where you hear extended versions of my chats with everyone who has joined us on Metal Crush. In this episode, we will be talking all things Dio with Wendy Dio, the manager and wife of the late Ronnie James Dio. Then later in the episode, we will hear from comic writer Steve Niles. I want to remind you that you can get more of Sci-Fi Wire's Metal Crush by subscribing to Sci-Fi Wire on YouTube and be sure to follow Sci-Fi Wire on Instagram. All right, here we go. My chat with Wendy Dio. I am here with the longtime wife and manager of the late, great Ronnie James Dio. Wendy, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for inviting me. I understand you have a pretty big announcement that involves two things that we love here on Metal Crush, which is comics and Dio. Absolutely, yes. And we have a comic coming out. This is great. We're really excited about it. I am so, so excited about the, the, the idea of a Dio comic. Can you tell me anything about who is writing and who is doing the art and, um, and what it's based off of? Well, I'm very excited that Steve Niles is writing, which I'm very excited about him. And uh, Bill Sykowitz is doing, painting the cover and doing the illustration. So I'm really excited to have such a great team of people. Two absolutely iconic legends. We love it. Absolutely. I would love to, to talk with you about the fantasy aspect of Ronnie's music because here at Sci-Fi Wire and at Metal Crush, you know we love our fantasy. We love our dragons, our demons, heaven, hell, magic, rainbows, of course, our super metal. So was Ronnie someone who read a lot of fantasy books? Oh, absolutely. Sci-fi, fantasy. I mean, some of the people, obviously, he loved Frank Franzetta. Uh, as an artist and also as and his comics too. Um, he actually loved a comic book, which people I don't know in the US are familiar with, but it was Asterix. It's a French uh, uh, comic book and they, he had like, I don't know how many volumes were written, but Ronnie had like 38 of them because I counted them last night. And it was about Asterix, he's a ghoul. And uh, he's like a ghoul warrior. And uh, it was a really, really fun uh, books that he absolutely loved these books that was written by Renee Goschini uh and illustrated by Albert Uderzo and uh they started I think well I probably was reading them in the 70s and continued through the 80s to read these books we loved them they were like really like fun adventures of this ghoulish warrior so he loved that he also, uh, obviously, the obvious ones, Stephen King, H.G. Wells, Dennis Wheatley, uh, Frank Herbert, the Doom books, he loved those books, Edgar Allan Poe, um, and then obviously into the, the fantasy of like Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, uh, Harry Potter, um, anything about King Arthur or the medieval times, wizards and witches, dragons, elves, all those kind of things. He also had a British author that he liked, which was um, Captain W.E. Johns. Uh, he wrote about the adventures of Biggles. Was this this guy that did all these stupid things? Um, <laughs> and then uh, as, as you go on, obviously, the other uh, people he was into, John Varley, the wizard, 
The Wall Around Eden, The Colon Chronicles, Robert E. Howard, Mists of Avalon, uh, Anthem by Neil, Neil Stevenson. So he was, he was really into a lot of sci-fi, a lot of fantasy books, obviously things that had to do with wizards and dragons and, and witches and elves and things, unicorns. He loved all that. Yes, a bona fide fan. That is so amazing to hear. And by the way, what was the first comic that you mentioned? Oh, Asterix. Asterix. I've never heard yeah. of that. And I'm kind you of... Look it up. It's a French comic book. I don't know if it's still going or not, but um, he was really into that. It's, uh, it's spelled A-S-T-E-R-I-X. And there was a character in it called the Obligisk as well. And uh, they all got to these uh, ghoulish adventures. <laughs> that is so cool. And I love the idea that I am getting a Ronnie James Dio comic recommendation from you. My day has been made. That is amazing. Well, speaking of books, um, it's also been reported that there is a Ronnie James Dio autobiography in the works that he started writing and you actually finished for him. Do you have any updates on that? Absolutely. Yeah. He started writing it and he wrote all the way through Rainbow. Uh, and then there's a bunch of other stuff that we found of scribblings. So we're putting that together. So it's written about his life story. Um, and I wanted it to continue on uh, as if it's him writing it. So I, I didn't want, it won't have interviews by people or anything. What we did was we got interviews that Ronnie had done himself during that time period and we pieced it together i'm working with mick wall who's um a british uh journalist has done many many books on lots of people if you look him up you'll find he's he's got a great uh biography of himself of all the things he's done so uh, we're working on that of course with the uh with everything that's going on in the world right now it's a little bit on hold i do have publisher uh it will be coming out hopefully uh in uh 21 uh maybe in the spring of 21, because I think it's almost finished. That is so exciting. And I'm curious about what your experience was piecing these interviews together in order to really speak from his voice. Yeah, well, it's kind of bittersweet. You know, you look at the things and you look down. And actually, it's very lucky because his mother had um, taken every single interview Ronnie's ever done from God knows when and put it all in a scrapbook. So we had a lot of stuff to go through and we piled through it and through it and through it. And it'll have lots of wonderful photographs of Ronnie and his childhood and his teens and growing up and all the different bands and stuff. So yeah, it's, it'll be, I think it'll be very interesting in the way Ronnie writes as well, you know, lyrically, he's also a very good storyteller. So I think the book will be very interesting. The fans will find a lot of things out they didn't know about Ronnie. I am so excited about it, and it's great that you had such a wealth of information to, to work off of. I think that that will lend so, so much to it. Absolutely. We also have a documentary coming out, too, that I'm working on with BMG. Uh, really? That is in the middle of uh, coming out. be totally different from the book, because that will have lots of interviews by lots of different uh, people that are close to Ronnie and uh, lots of different um, artists and, and musicians that, that played with him or were inspired by him or so on. And that that is actually halfway through done. But of course, I had to stop because uh, it couldn't interview more people because they can't travel. They were just about to travel to Arizona uh, to interview Rob Halford and Lita Ford. And then they were going on to England to interview uh, Roger Government Deep Purple and Tony Iommi and a bunch of other people. But right now, until they open the borders again, we can't continue. But that will come out in 21 too. So we're going to have an exciting year next year. <laughs> We've got an autobiography, a documentary, and a comic book. Comic I am book, so which excited. I'm really excited about, and I can't tell you about it. 
But what I will tell you about it is I was so surprised. I was so pleased with what they wrote about it. And it, and it ends up with an uh, album cover of the priest and the monster. And it's the reason why the album cover got to be like that. So it's the story of that, of the art, which is great. They did a fantastic job. That's so, so cool. What an amazing concept. I'm so excited to, to read that and to dive in. And thank you for the excellent segue, by the way, because I was just going to ask you, you know, we know now that Ronnie was a huge fan of, of genre work, a huge fan of fantasy. How involved was he in the album art for classics like Holy Diver and The Last in Line? Because those are such epic fantasy covers. Well, Holy Diver, Ronnie and I together, that was our concept. Uh, but neither one of us could draw. <laughs> so it was <laughs> in our mind. We knew what we wanted. And um, so we had this, this gentleman, uh, Gene Hunter, who actually did the re original renderings before Warner Brothers uh, carried on and got a professional artist to do it. But um, it was... Um, the story of it really is um, what Ronnie's songs and everything was about. And it was about... Uh, the album looks like it's uh, uh, the monster dr drowning the priest, the bad with the good. But whereas Ronnie's songs and everything else is, how do you know what's good and what's evil? Don't judge a book by its cover. How do you know that the priest isn't the evil person, the monster? Just because he looks like a monster, look inside himself and see who he is because maybe he's the good person. Wow, I love that, and that's so reminiscent of, of what we love about heavy metal music as a genre, is that you kind of have to look at things in another way. You have to yeah. not judge books by its cover. I love that story. That's so beautiful. Um, and Ronnie also um, had this cancer fund. Is that true? The Ronnie Dames Dio Stand Up and Shout Cancer. Tell me about that. Okay, so when Ronnie passed away from stomach cancer, uh, which he fought very hard for, we called it Killing the Dragon. Um, and um, when he passed away, a lot of people were sending me uh, donations and saying, where do you want to send it to? Uh, what cancer fund or, or where do what charity? And um, I'm very um, worried about a lot of, of uh, big uh, organizations because I feel that the money goes into administration costs and uh, isn't going to where it should be going to. So um, myself together with Do Ronnie's doctor, Dr. Kapoor, uh, and uh, 14 friends of Ronnie's, so longtime friends and associates, we formed the Ronnie James Dio Stand Up and Shout Cancer Fund. And so we have a board of 14 uh, directors and we every single penny goes to research and education for cancer. And we, uh, we don't have any uh, administration fees, everything, everybody's voluntary, every penny goes to uh, that. And we've worked on a lot of things with TJ Martell, we've given a lot of money to for, uh, for cancer AIDS, uh, to Vanderbilt Hospital in Nashville. They didn't even have a program for stomach cancer for research. And so we gave them, I think it was $100,000. And then we gave uh, to uh, MD Anderson, where Ronnie was treated, we gave them about 500000 And now we're working with Dr. Wong at UCLA, who is, um, we're supporting them and paying for the research that they've got into a saliva test, which will be a very non-invasive test for uh, ca stomach cancer, for colon cancer and pancreatic cancer. A lot of those are men, you know, women are good, they go. They, they, you don't have to ask them, we go all the time. But men don't <laughs> drag them there. And a lot of it is because of the invasive tests that they feel that they have to go through. So this, instead of having a 
finger up there, wherever, uh, they will have a saliva test with a swab and you send it in and it should be able to tell early stages of one of those cancers, which we're trying to get so that anyone can go to their regular checkup and have that swab test. And we're hoping that through next year. Yeah, we're very excited about that. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the events that you've done to fundraise for this? Um, oh, right. So, okay, yeah, we have two uh, events, uh, annual events, which we've been having, I think we're on to our fifth or sixth year. Uh, we have the uh, the uh, Ride for Ronnie in uh, in May, usually around the, his past in time. And uh, that was uh, sponsored by um, Harley Davidson from Glendale. And we have about 350 motorcycles that start off there and they ride. We have a police escort on either side. It's an amazing event to watch. And they ride from Glendale to Encino and to Los Encinos Park. And then uh, we have it uh, concerts where all kinds of bands and all kinds of musicians, they give their time and their talent to us. And we have a great fun family day in the part with food and drinks and and um, vendors selling things it's just a very fun uh way of spending the day and raising money for a good cause that's and amazing in, um which is really fun so so many people dave Gore jumped on the drums last last year and we've had all kinds of people everyone's comes it's just great we never know who we're going to get so <laughs> and then in um october or november we have our bowl for ronnie which is always sold out as soon as it goes on sale. Uh, we've had the likes of Jack Black and again, Dave Ball. And uh, everybody you can think of comes and bowls. Tom Morello brings his own bowling ball. And uh, they have, we have a celebrity team um, that uh, bowl against each other. And we have awards for those that win. And then we have the horses ask for the one who loses, the loser. <laughs> And we have, we have just a really fun time. Uh, people come and they can get to uh, mix with, with their celebrities. We usually have um, an auction that goes off where someone can be on the team with the celebrities. And it's a really fun evening when, as I said, raising money for a very good cause. We raise usually around 50000 on each one of those. And then once in a while we have a gala. Uh, we had one, uh, luckily we got it in in February, just before everything hit. And that was the 10th anniversary of Ronnie's passing. And we had the gala there and it was an award show. And we had um, we had the hologram playing and we had um, a lot of uh, different bands there. And it was real fun. And uh, it was a really fun evening with raising money and, and silent auction and raffle. And that was a fun evening as well. There's such a wealth of ways that people can support this foundation. That is so, so cool. Absolutely. And, and now we've been, uh, we decided we would make masks out of the old bandanas. We have a bunch of old bandanas. So we made masks for the charity. What? And um, we, put, we made 48 of them and we put them on sale. They, went, they were sold out in an hour. I bet. So we made another 48. They sold out at the end of the day. My poor little seamstress is making me crazy. And then uh, she made 100. Those sold out. We're on our second 100 of those, which is great. So we may run out of bandanas soon, but that, those are great things. And it's something we're trying to raise money for the Cancer Fund when we can't put these events on. We still have the 12th of November on our calendar. I don't know or not if it's going to happen or not. I, I'm hoping it will, but I, I don't think it will this year.
Fingers crossed. I got to get my hands on one of those bandanas. That is amazing. I love that idea. I will send you one. Yes. Wendy, <laughs> I have to ask you, um, being that Dio and Ozzy both had so much success fronting Black Sabbath, was there any kind of like friendly rivalry with them? What was that relationship like between these two absolute icons? Well, I think it was two different, um, two different Sabbaths. You know, with and and both are, are, are wonderful. One, both of them are fantastic. The Aussie one was he was uh, one of the best frontmen you could have in his day. I mean, unbelievable frontman, and uh, the songs and everything that they did with Paranoid and stuff was amazing. And then when Ronnie came into the band, it was became more melodic and um, just a different, totally different way. It gave the band a little bit more uh, to expand on their music, but I think that you can't say one was better than the other. I think you have to have the whole, the whole picture, and, and there's a lot of stuff in the press about it, but no, Ronnie and Ozzy are always friends. That's amazing. I'm happy to hear that they had such mutual respect for each other because they're absolutely iconic. <laughs> well, now I want to ask you, Wendy, why do you feel so many horror and fantasy and comic book fans love metal because it all it's all about the same thing it's all about magic of, of metal metal fans get so such like oh these dirty nasty people they are the most amazing people ever they are so faithful they are so amazing and uh you know what and it's just i i, I my heart goes out to all of them. ronnie loved his fans he absolutely loved his fans his fans was his best thing i think it came before me became before his animals became everything you know his music was first his fans were second and then we went down the pecking order but you know i think i think that you know metal music and comic and fantasy all go together. I think it's one thing that we're, because, you know, comic books are like, oh, comic books, you know, but they're not. They're grown-up fun books and fantasy and stuff. And I think the same thing, the way people think about metal is the same they think about comic, because they all go together and we have our own little thing going on and we're very happy about it. <laughs> very well said. I tend to agree. Uh, Wendy, do you have a favorite fantasy or sci-fi or horror movie? Oh gosh, let's see. Well, for me, I'm more into uh, into like The Hobbit and uh, you know Lord of the Rings and and those kind of things. With me, I I, I do have a favorite book by Dennis Wheatley, which is Devil Rides Out. I really enjoy I, I, I enjoy Dennis Wheatley's stuff a lot. Obviously, all all the favorites that Ronnie likes, but I'm more into the old time ones, the Edgar Allan Poe's and the, and the, all those things. I have to get myself up into more of the new stuff that's going on. I just uh, don't have any time for reading at the moment. <laughs> like Ronnie used to read a book a day. He, we would always, I mean, he is amazing. He would read his book because he said he, he, he the books inspired him for his songs. Wow, a book a day. That's incredible. That, that is aspirational. I think I missed out on that. I didn't say it was Ronnie, one of Ronnie's faces, a Mists of Avalon. That's oh, another. amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wendy, it has been so cathartic and wonderful talking with you. I am so, so happy that you get to help continue Dio's legacy of music and, and reaching people through wonderful genre stuff. I'm so excited for the documentary and the autobiography and the comic book coming out. Everything. Thank you for that. <laughs>
No, me too. My, my, my goal in life is to keep Ronnie's music and his legend alive. And I think these things are great avenues for, for that, for Ronnie. And, and you know, I'm, I'm really happy and thank you so much. And I really thank Stephen Miles and all the, the, the people that were putting the comic book together. Uh, it's just really, really amazing. You guys are doing a great job. Um, Metal Crush is just fantastic, I think. And so, yeah, we're, we're really happy to be partnered with you. Amazing. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you so much to Wendy for speaking with me. I am so excited about this comic. Again, it's Ronnie James Dio's Holy Diver. Steve Niles is the writer, and the cover art is going to be done by Bill Sienkiewicz. Look for it in the summer of 2021 by Z2 Comics. Speaking of Steve Niles, let's get into my chat with him right now on the Sci-Fi Wire Metal Crush podcast. I'm here with Steve Niles, who is writing the Dio comic. I am so, so excited about this. Steve, thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. I am such a fan of your work. Of course, you did the classic 30 Days of Night, among so many other great horror comics. Um, I would love to hear how this uh, Holy Diver comic came about. Tell me all about it. Well, I mean, I, I have a background in music as well as obviously horror. So my friend uh, Rance um, came to me and offered me the book. And what got me was what they wanted to do, and this is what really grabbed my attention, is they wanted to come up with an origin story for that iconic cover. You know, the, the Holy Diver uh, cover by Dio is one of the most iconic heavy metal covers, you know, people know. So what I, what I want to try to do is create the background story for that. So people, so we get the whole story of how that image came to be. That is so cool. And that's actually something that, I mean, when you go to record stores as a kid, that's something that I was used to do is I would pick something just based off of the cover and always wonder what the story is behind it. So we're finally getting that. And also like one of the most iconic heavy metal album covers of all time. Yeah, it's really, it's really fun to work with. I'm just in the planning stages right now, but the cover is my main inspiration, the cover and the song. Now let's talk about the cover for your comic. I understand Bill Sankovich, who's an incredible artist, is doing the cover. How did you link up with him? Um, again, this was Rance. Rance awesome. is, uh, you know, he did it. I have been, I've been friends with Bill, God, since the 80s, since the late 80s. So we've done a few projects together. He actually did a 30 Days a Night book a few years ago. Um, and yeah, and I just found out he's doing the cover for this. So I, I couldn't be more excited. He's, I mean, he's easily one of my favorite artists. He's incredible. This is shaping up to be a very, very cool comic. I'm so excited. I have to ask, is there any small piece of the story you can share with us? Oh, not <laughs> really. Not really. I think if I, if I even start, I'll give away too much. That's but that's totally why fine. I just like to leave. Yeah, just look at that cover and you'll know where we're headed. Yes, yes. Let's use our imaginations because then we can uh, we can build up the anticipation for what it really is going to be. I'm so excited. Um, well, let's talk about some of your other comics then. Obviously, 30 Days of Night is a huge, beloved comic. Um, you did Criminal Macabre, Freaks of the Heartland, and October Faction. Uh, tell me about your history writing horror and why you love the genre so much. You know, I just, I have loved it since I was a little kid. Richard Matheson's I Am Legend was one of the first books I ever read. And not only have I loved him, but I've loved that stuff ever since. And when I was about 19, 20 years old, I started writing letters to everybody I loved. And I wound up getting the rights to books by Clive Barker, 
Richard Matheson, and I got a really early start. So I actually started adapting other people's horror, and then I slowly segued into writing my own stuff. What was that transition like? I'm so curious. It was, you know, it, it was really good because the, the adapting work taught me so much about storytelling. I mean, working with Clyde Barker's story or a legend like Richard Matheson, um, it really taught me a lot about pacing and story structure and things like that. So when I started writing my own stuff, I, I had a, a little easier time because I'd had a lot of experience working with other people's material. That's so interesting. It reminds me a lot of what uh, a lot of young art students say, where um, they say their teachers say, don't do fan art, but actually it's one of the best things that you can do to formulate your, your own certain style and how to learn is because you're doing beloved characters already. And so I love that. And I love that that can be a teachable thing for you to, to branch out into your own storytelling. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I also have to point out these amazing Frankenstein drawings that are behind you. You have a lot of really cool monster art. Tell me about that. You know, I collect uh, art in general. I have a lot of comic art over here. and I mean, the walls are just covered. Um, but just somewhere along the lines, because Frankenstein's one of my favorite movies, I started commissioning people to do various Frankenstein. So I have, I have all kinds of stuff. I have Bill Sienkiewicz over there. You know, so it's just one of those, I just love it. I just love horror and I love art and comics and music. And so I like to, I like to be surrounded by all that stuff. It seems like you really gravitate towards specifically monster stuff. Why is that? You know, I think monsters are, and it it comes from being like a little punk rock kid. You know, you always feel like kind of the outsider and monsters are the ultimate outsiders. You know, um, Frankenstein particularly. Frankenstein, exactly. You know, yeah. I've always, I've always liked like Frankenstein and the Creature from the Black Lagoon, King Kong, these monsters that they're not really monsters. They're just they're picked on by human beings. So that's what sort of you know made you know I've always when I watch Creature from the Black Lagoon, I'm always rooting for him because I'm mm. just like they started this, you know. And so it is just that they're the ultimate outsider, and I, and I can relate to that. Wow, that's such a great insight. And I think that I'm just learning things about myself and myself as a teen. So thank you for that. I'm uh, I'm having all sorts of introspection happening right now. Um, And great segue also, Steve, you also mentioned that you're a young punk kid. You have a history as a bass player for the seminal punk band, Grey Matter. Uh, Tell me about your connection with music, heavier music and comic books. Why do you think they have so much in common um, because, you know, at, at this show, we really like to talk about the connection between heavier music, horror, sci-fi, and all genre stuff. Yeah. Well, for me, you know, uh, I, I came up in Washington, D.C. in the 80s, and I was in a band, called, I was in Grey Matter, and we were on a label called Discord Records that I think now they're very famous for the, you know, Fugazi and Minor Threat, um, bands like that. Um, but I grew up with these people, and, you know, it wasn't, we didn't have managers and things like that. We did everything ourselves. We, we put on our own shows. We made our own flyers. We booked our own tours. You know, we put out our own records. So when I had this lifetime love of horror and comics, and it was like one of those moments where I'm sitting there looking at this stuff saying, well, I'd really like to make some comic books. And I was like, well, you got to do it yourself. You got to. So I start, that's when I started, I was writing letters to everybody and borrowing money and doing anything I could to put together a comic book company. And like I said, I wound up, 
you know, I had some success in doing Clyde Barker comics and uh, the Richard Matson. I, I adapted I Am Legend when I was still in my 20s and absolutely loved it. So music and comics and writing have always gone hand in hand with me. As a matter of fact, I listen to music all day long while I write. Oh, what do you listen to? Today, I was listening to Russian Circles. Nice. <laughs> I don't know if you know them, but they're a very heavy instrumental band. So it's great. It's just great writing music because I don't yes. get distracted by lyrics. Yeah. It's so interesting to me. And this is a perspective I've truly never heard before, but it makes so much sense that both the comics industry and punk music and heavier music in general really comes from this DIY attitude. And you look at like zines and there's just like the perfect crossover right there in underground comic books, underground magazines. It's so like, it so captures the spirit of both genres. And that makes so much sense to me. I can't believe I've never heard that before. Yeah. It's always been my thing. You know, I've always been, I've always said, you know, don't wait for people. Don't wait for permission. Don't wait for something. Just do it. Go make your own music. Go make your own comics. You know, there's, Nobody holding you back except yourself. I love that advice. People, don't wait for anybody's permission. We love to hear it. <laughs> well, I would love to hear what are some of your favorite comic books are. And what's you, what have you been reading lately? And what have you been uh, watching? What horror movies? Tell me about that. Oh, well, actually, God, lately, <laughs> I've been re-watching a bunch of stuff. Like yesterday, I watched Ed Wood, um, which... Is just one of my favorite movies in the world because I just love the relationship between Ed Wood and Bela Lugosi. Um, as far as uh, reading stuff, I've been reading, I, I really love Rick Remender's work. He's a friend of mine, uh, so I've been catching up on his stuff. Mostly, though, you know, I've been writing. I've just been writing a ton lately. Good. Um, we so, love to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I mean, trying to take advantage of this situation we're in and I have a lot of time on my hands, so I'm using it to try to come up with some new stuff. I'm so glad that you're using it productively. I can honestly not say the same, but I love to talk to people, especially creatives who are making the most out of their time. And I love that you were friends with Brick Render because you guys both have such, you know, you guys come from such a punk background. I actually got to catch up with him in San Francisco where he grew up for, for Deadly Class and talk about a punk rock comic. I mean, that it's such a, the attitude is so right there. I would love to have him on the show. Hit him up for me. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. Absolutely. Yeah, he, he's fantastic. Actually, Rick talked me into um, next year, a comic is coming out about my days playing music. Really? Um, called, called Swan Street. And the art is being done by Nate Powell, who did the March, the John Lewis March books. Amazing. And he's an old punk rock kid, too. So Rick was kind of the cheerleader and talked me into doing it. And I sat down and wrote it. And I'm very happy with how it came out. So probably next, sometime next year. I am so, so excited about this. Anytime, I mean, I, I love in general when um, heavier music musicians get into comics because I think that they just, they go hand in hand. Um, I'm so curious, is this going to be a sort of a straightforward autobiog autobiographical um, comic or, or are you, do you divert at all from your story? Nope. It's a hundred percent factual. Um, and I've been even checking, checking in with people. Um, luckily my band members have a great memory, so they've been able to really help me get everything, but it's, it's pretty a hundred percent autobiographical. 
That is so cool. I can't wait to read that. I'm so, so excited about this Holy Diver comic. I guess I have one more question for you regarding the Dio comic. Um, since you can't say much about what the um, story is yet, I would love to know what you're hoping comic book fans and Dio fans get from it when they read it. That's the challenge, is I want to create something that will make the Dio fans happy, but will also be a good enough story that, you know, regular comic book fans who maybe don't know about Dio will still enjoy it. You know, that, that's sort of the challenge of it. The biggest challenge really, though, is pleasing the fans. Yes. Because yeah. I know how <laughs> rabid they are. And so I'm working very hard to make this, you know, something that they'll really love. Music to my ears, true heavy music to my ears. Um, and wouldn't that be so great if we found some new Dio fans from reading this comic? That would be so, so cool to exactly. me. Exactly. <laughs> Steve, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. You are doing so much cool shit, man. And I can't wait to read your comics. And I, I'm just looking forward to so much more from you. Great. Thank you so much for having me on. It's really, really fun. Okay, that's it for this episode. A big thanks to Josh Bernstein and all of the great folks at Z2 Comics. Be sure to follow the Dio Cancer Fund on Twitter at Dio Cancer Fund. A massive thanks to you for listening to our fourth Metal Crush podcast. Please share this episode and come back and join us again for episode number five with Corey Taylor, Jonathan Davis, and Maria Brink. Listen and subscribe to Sci-Fi Wire's Metal Crush podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For more of Sci-Fi Wire's Metal Crush, follow Sci-Fi Wire on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. You can go ahead and follow me on Twitter, too, at Tweety Moore, and on Instagram at Whitney S. Moore. Thanks, folks. <laughs>